Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel Open Mic Friday on this March the 27th in the year of our Lord 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. Normally, I'm in the studio taking calls, but because of the coronavirus, we are at home at our studio there. And so, although I could take calls, I'm also receiving a number of letters and emails from people. So I thought we would do that for a while, responding to letters and emails. And this one really has to do a lot with helping people uh, from the virus. I was reading our post-dispatch today, and there are people concerned about those in prison indicating that they should be released if they were not in a violent crime. I don't know if that's going to occur or not, but we do need to remember that there are prisoners and a lot of them could use our help. Well, what I got was a, a letter from one of the members where I'm serving at Emanuel in Macomb. Her name is Elaine, and she writes me the following. We became acquainted with this prisoner when I was a secretary to the faculty in the Law Enforcement and Justice Department at Western. He was in his 20s when we met him. He will be 65 soon. After some hesitation, I wrote to him asking if we could send him a Bible. He replied he would love to have a Bible. We sent the Bible and began a corresponding that has lasted to date. We had sent him portals of prayer, and he was delighted and said that when reading it, he felt that Jesus is with me. Portals of prayer is a, well, it comes out every three months, but has prayers for each day of the week, has a Bible study, a little devotion by someone, and a prayer. Hence, this was the inspiration for starting the Recycling Portals of Prayer to Prisons Project in Emmanuel. Now, I was at another congregation, I believe it was in Cairo, Illinois, for some months, and they had this program also where they would ask their members when they were done with their portals of prayer for the month, and they weren't giving it to anyone, to bring it back to church, and it would be sent out then to uh, prisoners. I believe that also was a program they had at Trinity Orchard Farm. Well, with this impetus over the years, uh, the lady says she's written to numerous LCMS Lutheran churches, encourage them to adopt this project in their churches. And she's had a positive reply. So in an effort to increase participation in the project, we've distributed the guidelines at various places, national conventions. So here's the information for you and your church. Your LCMS church can reach out with the gospel and the peace and joy of salvation 
to those incarcerated by recycling portals of prayer to prisons. For simple guidelines to do so, log on to Guidelines for Recycling Portals of Prayer to Prisons, and you can get that if you go to this website, and it's the Emmanuel McCombs website, www.emmanuelmacomb.com. That Emmanuel is spelled with an I, M-M-A-N-U-E-L, Macomb, M-A-C-O-M-B dot com. And so she would really appreciate it if you would do that and maybe begin a process in your congregation because every congregation, I believe, is near a prison. I was involved uh, with visiting prisoners, had a good friend in Illinois who was a chaplain, I think I went three times. I've gone to a federal prison in Dallas, Texas, and there's just no doubt that there is a real impetus among prisoners uh, to learn more about Jesus Christ. In fact, very few, I, I can only remember two maybe, that even knew what I was talking about when I said, we're gonna be talking about law and gospel. They just didn't have any idea what long gospel was. So if you take a look at the internet, Emmanuel Macomb, I think you will be very pleasantly surprised to find a way in which you can go ahead and help out prisoners. And right now, you can understand they're really in need of help and a portals of prayers, uh, uh, program would be very, very good, it seems to me. By the way, if you don't have a computer, uh, you can make a, a phone call to Emmanuel. Uh, the church office, uh, the secretary is at home, but I understand she's still able to take calls, is, here's the number, 309 833 Five four eight three, and you'll be talking to Cindy, who's the office secretary, or you can just leave a message there about more information about this, and she'll be glad to get back to you. So, I hope we might be able to start various programs, portals of prayer, in these various congregations. All righty. We're moving now to a, another item. This is from Alan. He talks about that he's getting conflicting uh, points of view as he listens to various radio programs. Uh, the one is the point I make that I don't know of any miracle of Jesus that ever converted an unbeliever to faith. Uh, the church makes clear what are the means of grace. It is word and sacrament. Miracles are not included in bringing an unbeliever to the state of being a believer. And I had given some examples 
the feeding of the 5,000 didn't turn people into believers. They looked to Jesus instead as a bread king, chased after him, wanted to make him a royal king and take over Israel, restore it to its former grandeur, get rid of the Romans and supply them with bread and food uh, like Moses had done in the wilderness. So the other point that he was talking about, he had heard is the following. Many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets, laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. So, this seems to give the impression that more believers were added to the Lord. Whereas I had said that I don't know of any miracle of Jesus that ever converted an unbeliever to faith. Now, I don't think we're that different, that these two points are really that different. Because there's no doubt that there are some miracles that do bring people to faith. And that's called the Holy Sacraments. I consider baptism and the Lord's Supper to be a miracle. They bring people to faith because God, at least baptism does, God promises that faith that when a person is baptized, they receive the remission of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, we do not provide the Lord's Supper to anyone who is not a Christian. Because if you read 1 Corinthians 11, some people not understanding what is going on, who are unbelievers or even believers, they can get sick and even die without a proper understanding. See, some people think that the Lord's Supper is something that they're entitled to because they're such good people. And they don't realize that a preliminary point in the liturgy is the confession of sin. I'm a poor, miserable sinner. I deserve nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for that sin. See, that's a preliminary understanding of the Lord's Supper done by a Christian who is baptized. But how do I say that these two points seem to be saying the same thing? Here, here's the point I want to make, and I want to repeat what I said that's written in the letter. I do not know of any miracle of Jesus that ever converted an unbeliever to faith. Only word and sacrament does that. Now, the big word that I want to hit on is unbeliever. Why does the other quote give the impression 
that miracles did lead people to become believers. More than ever, believers were added to the Lord. What does that mean? I, I think he and I, whoever did that quote, it's not mentioned, are saying the same thing. You cannot go from unbelief to faith because you saw a miracle of Jesus. In fact, remember when he did the miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead, the Pharisees, that became the impetus for them. It was the last straw, and he decided to put him to death, the unbelieving Pharisees. It didn't convert them at all. It didn't help them and understand who he truly was. Yet it says that many people came to believe in him. Now, there's a big distinction between being converted from being an unbeliever to being a Christian and from being a believer in the coming of the Messiah to recognize that Jesus is the fulfillment of that messianic promise. Therefore, I agree with this. More than ever, believers were added to the Lord. You see, if Jesus, before he came, had not died on the cross uh, before a person died, they still went to heaven because they believed the promises of the gospel. Abraham, We've said this a thousand times. Abraham, you're going to have a baby, you and your wife, Sarah, even though she is way past childbearing age. She was 65 and didn't have the baby until she was 90, 25 years later. And Abraham was 100. He believed that. And guess what? God regarded him as righteous, not because of his works but because of his trust in the promise. So we need to be very careful in realizing that in the Old Testament, there were many believers, at times only a remnant of them, but they still were believers. Like David, when he sinned with Bathsheba and the prophet, you have sinned against the Lord. And David repented of that. And remember, he wrote, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David was a believer, but he didn't know that much about Jesus Christ. He, he didn't know his name and items in the Bible about being born of a virgin occurred after David had died. Well, imagine Adam and Eve, they didn't know anything about Bethlehem or the virgin birth or the crucifixion, about the closest that David came to the crucifixion was in Psalm 22, pierced in hands and feet, talking about them gambling for the clothes of Jesus. So he was a believer, but he was not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ in the sense that he knew Jesus, etc., the best example I can give how the miracles helped a believer trust in Jesus 
was when the disciples of John the Baptizer came to Jesus. How do we know you're the one? Or is there somebody else coming? And Jesus said to them, go back and tell John the Baptizer that the deaf hear, the lame walk, the blind see, and the mute speak, and even people raised from the dead. What's Jesus talking about? Is he trying to use those miracles to help the disciples go from unbelief to faith? No. They're already believers. Jesus already is the one who is the fulfillment of those promises from the Old Testament. So what those miracles did is it transferred the faith of the believer, who already was a believer, in the coming of the Messiah, that faith to Jesus as a fulfillment of the coming of the Messiah. And, and that's what this other quote says. More than ever, believers were added to the Lord. They began to recognize Jesus as God. The word Lord sometimes is in capitals in the English, referring to the name of God, Yahweh, that was given to Moses at Mount Sinai. So we need to make a distinction between a person who is not a believer and, of course, doesn't believe in Jesus, and a person who is a believer but unaware that Jesus is a fulfillment of the Messiah, which gets us back to the portals of prayer readings because you cannot read the portals of prayer from Concordia Publishing House without coming to the conclusion that Jesus is the reason for the season. It's all about Jesus and the benefits he has given to you, the forgiveness of sins, the robe of righteousness. Uh, the point I'm making, when I went to the federal prison in Dallas, Texas, there were 60 or 70 prisoners in this room, and I spoke to them for about an hour on law and gospel. Very few of them, in fact, I can't remember anybody, who understood what I was talking about, about law and gospel. They assumed when I said law that I was talking about your obedience to the Ten Commandments saves you. And the gospel was just historic information, maybe about Jesus or Old Testament prophets. What we did with law and gospel, we made the point to them that the law cannot save anyone. Even your being in prison does not offset your sins. It does in the temporal realm where you can finally be released from prison after a time of being in prison. But it doesn't take care of your eternal salvation. But there was no doubt in my mind as I talked to those prisoners and began to explain to them the proper understanding of law and gospel 
that the law is preached to show that you cannot save yourself by any works. So the gospel are the promises connected to the conception, life, birth, sufferings, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. And there was no doubt in my mind that some of them remarked to me afterwards, I've never really heard this before. This didn't make them a believer in becoming a Christian, but for many of them, I believe they were already Christians. Some of them had been baptized, but they were ignorant that Jesus was the one who they were really looking forward to. This is a big point to make during this time of the coronavirus. Why? Because KFUO, we have a number of programs that hopefully more people are listening to if they are stuck in their homes. And I have already suggested that all you need to do is go to your computer, go to Google, and look up uh, Lutheran seminars or Lutheran recordings and listen to a number of pastors who are truly talking about a proper distinction between law and gospel. In fact, you can just look up Lutherans and law and gospel. I have some friends, some who were even field workers assigned to me when I was at my congregation for 28 years, and they have a radio program where they talk about law and gospel. Be careful that you're not listening to a Lutheran pastor who is not a member of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. I, I found a couple like who are members of the ELCA maybe have some kind of good points, but most of them are quite wrong in their understanding of mission outreach, etc. But Lutheran pastors from the Missouri Synod or denominations we're in fellowship with, like, or, or very close to at least, uh, the Wisconsin Synod and others could be listened to. And a lot of times their ideas are found in about a half hour and you can also see videos of those. In fact, I'm convinced that though I do have a uh, YouTube channel, I'm going to be expanding that, uh, changing the name, and I'll be letting you know about how you can be listening to items that I will not be having so much on KFUO. There's just so much to say. And this will be a wonderful way. But the first thing you can do is take the portals of prayer. You do not know whether the prisoner you are giving the portals of prayer to is a believer who really understands Jesus Christ or is a believer who needs more information that Jesus is the fulfillment of the gospel. And we just can't tell those things by just speaking to a person. But once they have the portals of prayer and they're already a believer, 
that will help them to focus on Jesus, to pray to Jesus, to trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins and the robe of righteousness, so heaven is their home. So we really appreciate uh, individuals uh, writing about ways in which you can reach out to folks. And we thank particularly, therefore, uh, Elaine, who's a member of Emmanuel McComb, that sent me this information, and also Alan, who was wondering about what's this distinction between miracles and not miracles. He ends his letter, by the way, this way. He says, I do agree that miracles as a category category is not a sacrament. So he's wondering if witnessing is a means of grace for those outside the church. And the answer is, yes, it is. But it depends what you are witnessing. And we pray that what you are witnessing is law and gospel. The law that really needs to be heard so a person comes to the understanding that they are a sinner in need of salvation. Okay, Monday's Law and Gospel has readings from Isaiah 50, Philippians 2, and Matthew 26, which is really all about the crucifixion of Jesus. Join us for Monday's Long Gospel and invite your friends to be listening to KFUO. I'm Tom Baker. God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.